Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You know, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that, free. Switch to Pure Talk today and you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Now, qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and, of course, mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash and claim your eligibility for free, your brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, it's puretalk.com slash S-E-A-N, and switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. If you're like me and suffer from insomnia, you know what? That's not fun. You know, I tried everything. I couldn't get a good night's sleep. And this is neither drug nor alcohol induced. That's right. It is my pillow. Mike Lindell invented it. And he fitted me for my first my pillow. And it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer. And the good news, you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com, promo code Sean, and take advantage of one of Mike Lindell's best offers, his special four-pack. You get 50% off two MyPillow premium pillows to go anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee, no risk to you, and a 10-year warranty. You don't want to spend more sleepless nights on a pillow tossing and turning that's not working for you. Just go to MyPillow.com right now, use the promo code SEAN, and you get Mike Lindell's special four-pack. You get two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off, and you'll start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep you've been craving and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Sean. All right, glad you're with us. Sean Hannity Show. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. So me, the loser that I am that rarely goes out, and I am a loser. I totally admit it. Pride. Proudly. Uh, but we did bring our entire group, uh, radio group, over to watch uh, Zach Brown last night at City Field. What a show they put on. Wow. It was amazing. So much fun. And Linda and company here put it together. And uh, I think everybody had a great time. Linda had a really, really great time. I saw I her always dancing. have a good time. I always have a good time. 
I know. You, whatever I do. I am a good time. I know. You and all your friends, and I watched all the dancing your from a distance. Too. Of course my friends, too, but I don't get involved in the dancing part. I just watch from a distance the craziness Thank on Thank God both. for that. I've seen you dance. Yeah, there's no, scary. No, you've never seen me dance. That's the point. But you're I right. It was a poor attempt at a mere shake. It was not yeah. good. I wouldn't call it dancing. I wouldn't call right. it dancing. That's a good point. Uh, we're loaded up today. Now, we've got the latest on the deep state, an incredible interview as it relates to Devin Nunes and uh, Maria Baratiromo. We're going to get to that in the course of the program today with Nunes now saying that these 20 pages of redacted portions of the FISA application are massive. We're now 98 days from the most important midterm elections in our lifetime. The president is threatening a government shutdown. I think it's aimed at McConnell and Ryan to see if they could finally do their job, which would be a healthy, refreshing change of things. Um, Sorry, I was adjusting my microphone. Not professional in any way, shape, matter, or form. But um, and it's something that's probably going to be necessary. And I don't I don't think that some people understand that when you fight to keep your promises When you take an issue that's 70-30, like protecting America's borders, most Americans understand this isn't, as the left characterizes it, it's somehow racist. It's not. The impact on our society, just financially alone, is dramatic. The cost for the healthcare system of ours, the cost of the educational system of ours, the cost of the criminal justice system. I, I went down to the border, what, 14 times, sat in a briefing with Rick Perry, then governor of Texas, and 642,000 crimes committed against Texans alone, some violent, serious crimes, very serious, including murder, uh, because we have open borders. So it's a 70-30 issue at this point, pretty much, and it's Republicans don't seem to have the backbone and the strength to, to go out and fight for the things that, A, they promised, and B, that the American people want, and C, when you keep your promises and you fight for people, the people will reward you at the ballot box because they'll go enthusiastically and want to reelect people that fight for them. And you see all this good news on the economy, uh, whether or not Republicans helped, they didn't help as, in as much as the president was alone in, in terms of getting rid of burdensome regulations for business. But a lot of these Republicans did vote for the largest tax cuts in American history, which resulted in the economic growth that we told you about last week. And the president similarly is working out better trade deals than we've ever had before. He's not he's not for a trade war with anybody. He doesn't want protectionism in any way. He wants a better deal. You're not going to get a better deal if you don't ask for a better deal. The only way you're going to ask for a better deal is you can't say, pretty please, can we just have a little bit better terms with you on, on trade? We have a trade imbalance here. You're putting tariffs on our stuff. Can you please kindly stop? That's not going to work. The only thing that's going to work is you say, well, we're going to slap tariffs on you. And then all of a sudden, the reality of what they're doing to us comes into focus. And that's why it was a big win with the president and the European Union coming up with trade concessions last weekend that we wouldn't have had if he didn't fight for them. And in fighting for those concessions, he's fighting for American businesses, American workers. You know, there's a reason we have four million new jobs since he's been president. There's a reason there are almost three million fewer people on food stamps since he has been president. There's a reason you see a lot of strength in the economy since he is president. I mean, there was an article in the New York Post yesterday that 
literally makes the point that if you took out inflation, and I'm not playing fuzzy math numbers here, the the growth of GDP in the second quarter was 4.1%, but a little bit of you, if you pay a little closer attention to it, there's this guy at the New York Post, he's a business reporter, his name's John Crudell. He said real GDP number was significantly higher, over 5%. He said 5.4% to be exact, which, if true, means that we'd be in the midst of an economic boom like we haven't seen in the Reagan years. And he cites the Bureau of Economic Analysis and their announcement Friday that GDP grew at 4.1% annual rate on an inflation-adjusted basis. That's the figure you see in the headlines. It's exactly what the experts were predicting. But if you back out inflation... A notoriously inaccurate figure, the economy was growing at a nominal annual rate of 5.4%. Nominal GDP is when the GDP is evaluated at current market prices without any adjustment for inflation. So I'm assuming, Cordell, what he means here is that by overestimating inflation, then adjusting the GDP down to measure growth in inflation-adjusted dollars, well, then the artificially depressed GDP estimate from 5.4 or 4.1%, but whatever the rationale, it doesn't matter. 4.1% is, these are good numbers. You know, seeing that we have more jobs available than we have people that are on unemployment. That's the first. You know, it's just, we now have the greatest labor participation rate than we've ever had in our country's history. Remember, we had the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s under Obama. And if you look at the people coming off of food stamps, getting out of poverty and the number of jobs created and the incentivization that's taken place with businesses, this is all good for you, the American people, and for, for the forgotten men and women. After all, government is supposed to serve we, the people. And it's bad news politically for Democrats. All this good economic news is is literally driving them nuts. And by the way, it's not it's not an accident that they're not reporting it. It's by design because they don't want the American people, well, the American people are seeing it. They don't want you to know how successful this is because if you know how successful it is, then the odds are that you're going to want to stick with Trump and the Trump agenda. And in this midterm election, that means voting for Republicans because Democrats, their agenda is everything I've told you it is. We're going to impeach the president, but we're not going to tell you ahead of time. We're telling everyone to shush and be quiet. Don't talk about it. We'll do it. Just don't talk about it. We'll find a reason later. There is no compelling reason. There is no collusion. Collusion is not a crime. If it is, then Adam Schiff needs to be arrested tomorrow because he was talking to a Russian, hoping to get dirt about a naked Donald Trump. And the whole tape was he's caught on tape thinking he's talking to a Russian. Okay, and so Buseva met with Trump uh, in in uh, New York at some point after the 2013 Miss Universe uh, yes. Yes. Pageant. Absolutely. And she got uh, compromising materials on Trump after their uh, short relations. Okay. And, and what's the nature of the compromise? Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so Putin was okay. made aware uh, of yeah. the, the availability of the compromising material? Yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, Buzova shared those materials with uh, Sobchak, and Sobchak shares those materials with uh, Putin because she's a goddaughter of Putin, and Putin decided to press on Trump. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and the materials that you can provide to the committee uh-huh. or to the FBI uh, would they corroborate this allegation? 
Sure, of course. Of course. Uh, when they were in the Ukraine, we got their conversation by the phone where they discussed those uh, compromising materials. We are ready to provide it to FBI. So you, you have recordings of both Sovchak and Buseva uh, where they're discussing the compromising material on uh, Mr. Trump? Absolutely. He got hoodwinked and the tape got released. There's collusion. Oh, man, it's it's pretty unbelievable. So we've got all this good economic. You're not going to hear about it. And, you know, the big news today is what the media wants to focus on. And, you know, look, I don't blame the president, although you read last week in reports. Oh, Mueller is now looking at the president's tweets to see if he's trying to obstruct justice with his tweets and influence people through his tweets. And I mean, is this really what we've come to that? uh, That would mean there's no freedom of speech in America. You know, they're going to start the Manafort. Where's the Hillary Clinton trial? Where is the trial for her violations of the Espionage Act? Where is the obstruction of justice charges against her? Oh, that's right. Wait a minute. I forgot. How stupid of me. They rigged that investigation so she could remain the candidate, the favored candidate of Peter Strzok and Comey and company. Did you wipe the surface? What, like with a cloth or something? Yeah, she wiped it clean with, with bleach bit. And busted up those devices. Yeah, the president on Saturday took to Twitter and went after him. Is Mueller ever going to release the conflicts of interest with respect to the president, including the fact that he had some very nasty, contentious business relationships? Yeah, that's a true story about the president, Robert Mueller. I turned him down to be the head of the FBI the day before his appointment as special counsel. Comey's his BFF. And Trump asked in a post... And in a second poll, also, why is Mueller only appointing angry Democrats like Andrew Weissman, some of whom worked for Crooked Hillary? She's talking about uh, Jeannie Ray, who used to do the Clinton Foundation work for Hillary. How does she get appointed to this merry band of Democratic donors? It's unbelievable. And for you honest Democrats out there, if it was reversed and it was a special counsel, and they only had Republicans and even people that worked for Trump, you'd be pretty pissed off and think that it's pretty unfair that they're only appointing pro-Trump and anti-Hillary people. You know you would be, but you're willing to put it aside if it works this time in your favor. You know, why is he only appointing angry Democrats? Why people that have worked for Clinton? How is it Strzok and Page were a part of this in the beginning? Uh, What do we know about their agenda you know, New York Times ran an article in, in January of this year ordering Trump ordering Mueller to be fired or some nonsense, whatever. But and Rudy Giuliani, they don't have a thing. He's saying, why don't you write a report? Show us what you have, because they don't have a blankety blank thing. It's like a guy playing poker. He's bluffing and he's only got a pair of twos. And Trump, you know, tweeting enough's enough. You know, the problem here is they're going to drive this right up into the election, probably with the report right before the election. Why? Because they want to influence the election. This is one of the things that Devin Nunes said, and I'll get to it later in the program today, to Maria Baratoroma. They're hoping to get to the election. And if they can get through the election, well, that means that all those scandals, the Democrats, they want to impeach the president but not tell you. They want to keep Obamacare because it's worked out so well, that promise of keeping your doctor and your plan and saving money. They want their crumbs back. Both Pelosi and Elizabeth Warren have said they're crumbs, but yet they want the crumbs back and they want to eliminate ICE. They want open borders and they want these investigations to go away. And that's why Nunes said this weekend they're stalling. That's why they're not turning over the 
the subpoenaed materials. And Nunes saying, like what I've been saying, that people are going to be shocked when you see the 20 pages of redacted FISA applications, the one that Rod Rosenstein himself signed off on. You know, we got to ask ourselves, you know, Manafort's on trial for a 2005 to 2007 tax case. Has nothing to do with Russia. How is Hillary not indicted? How is she not indicted for the Espionage Act or for obstruction? Or what about the Uranium One deal? You know, Peter Schweitzer's back on the program today. All this happens and nobody ever gets held accountable. Except, oh, if you're a conservative Republican, they'll bang down your door in the middle of the night and they'll put a gun at your wife's head. Great job, guys. You really did it. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show. Yeah, enough. when is enough enough? It's never going to be for the news media. Um, now, there is one interesting development because Lanny Davis, I noticed, I guess it was Friday, said, uh, you know, because it was all breaking news all over Friday night, fake news, that Michael Cohn uh, is saying that uh, the president knew about the meeting with Donald Trump Jr., not that it would be wrong. You know, as, as Rudy's been saying all the weekend, collusion is not a crime. We have Adam Schiff on tape. But apparently all they talked about was adoption and the McGinsky Act. Anyway, so Cohn apparently had testified, and this is 2017, that, quote, given my proximity to the president of the United States as a candidate, let me say that I never saw anything, not a hint of anything that demonstrated his involvement in Russian interference in our election or any form of Russia collusion. Well, that kind of puts that to bed. Even Chris Wallace on the claim that Trump knew about Don Jr.'s meeting with Manafort or whoever else was in the meeting, everybody had the same thing to say about the meeting. It was a colossal waste of time. And I just played for you Adam Schiff, literally, well, what do you got? Ah, does Putin know about these naked pictures? Wow. Mm. Ah, and we can, you, we can have these naked pictures? We can, you can give us the evidence of these pictures? Kind of like Obama. Tell Vladimir I'll have more flexibility after the election. This is my last election, please. Yeah. yeah. After my election, I have more flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I transmit this information to Vladimir. Mm-hmm. I understand. Now, remember that the Washington Times on Friday and the House Intel Committee's report, Chapter 4, titled Campaign Links to Russia, details Clinton and the campaign, they were getting their money's worth for their bought and paid for dossier. Finding 39, Christopher Steele's information from Russian sources was provided directly to Fusion GPS, name redacted, and indirectly to the Clinton campaign. Mark Elias of Perkins Coie, the law firm that they funneled the money through, which was also the DNC's attorney, personally was briefed by Mr. Steele. And he wasn't just any attorney. Once Hillary was nominated, he became the general counsel to her presidential campaign. So the money they were spending on the Russian lies and the phony Russian dossier through a foreign national was going right through to Clinton herself. Washington Times person whose name has been redacted, quote, led regular briefings that contain Steele's information from senior Clinton campaign staff, which included Robbie Moo, campaign manager and campaign chairman John Podesta. When is the investigation into their collusion? A uh, little home with Zach Ra- uh, Brown Band. I uh, was in New York all weekend. I saw him yesterday at uh, City Field. That was so fun. Got so many great hits. So many. Uh, what a great band, too. 
played it, and they play also. Not only they got so many hits, you forget. And then uh, my toes in the water, my ass in the sand. Uh, that's what everybody needs, like two weeks a year. Most people don't get. Uh, and uh, just a great group of guys. I think he was a little shocked they were doing their you know pre-band ritual, and I threw my hand in. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> he gave me the dirtiest look. I'm like, oh, man, I don't think I should have done that. No, he didn't. You weren't there. So I you saw didn't... the video. Nobody had a video. Oh, yes, they did, because I have it. Everyone was taking a video. Oh, is that true? Well, I should have known. And it was actually at center field, what used to be Shea Stadium, now called City Field, right at the 408 mark. That's exactly where it happened. It was pretty cool. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. On other things in the news that I think are really important, I think one of the biggest things is the election. We're 98 days out now. 98 days to the most important election in your lifetime. By the way, you registered? Do you realize how important it is? Do you understand what's going to happen if the Democrats get control of the House? We know what their agenda is. It's nothing that's going to help the American people. It's not going to advance job growth. They're not going to be out there fighting for the forgotten men and women. This is about power. The reason they don't want Trump to succeed is because that means every time he's successful, the odds go up that his power remains with him and they don't get control again. And their track record is not one that deserves another chance. You know, Reagan once famously said, stay the course in 1984, won 49 states. But he can't do it alone. And knowing that the House wants to impeach him, knowing their desire to have open borders, knowing they want their crumbs back, knowing they want to keep Obamacare, knowing that they don't want the deep state exposed and that we can fix this great institution known as the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which the 99% of people that work for it want to have happen. Most people that work for the FBI are aghast at some of the actions of Comey and McCabe and Strzok and Page and the rest of them. They keep telling me. They keep saying, you know, keep doing what you're doing because we, this is our name, our reputations that are on the line here. This isn't how we act. I had guys pull me aside yesterday and tell me the same thing. They said, if we ever acted this way, we would be out a long time ago. And there would be significant real-life consequences. So that's what the agenda is, and that's what it's about, 98 days. Now, the president, he says he's willing to shut down the government. He said this yesterday, unless he gets significantly more funding for his border wall, his signature promise that he made the American people. Now, a lot of people don't know that the wall's already being built with the money that's been allocated, but it's going to be about $25 billion. They need a lot more. And most people think that the president's shutdown threat is aimed at, you know, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. It's really not. It's aimed as much at Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan as it is Nancy and Chuck. And Trump can tell Chuck and Nancy to go pound sand and still get his border wall funded. But it's going to require Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan to do what needs to get done. Now, they punted in the last deal when the president said, I'm never signing another deal like this again. And that was so he could get the appropriations for defense because of the gutting of our defense department, which we desperately needed it in a very dangerous world. But I think what scares Mitch uh, and uh, Paul Ryan the most is... You know, the threat of a government shutdown. You know, this is an amazing thing. When Obama was president, Republicans feared they get blamed for a government shutdown. And Obama owned them with that fear. He took that fear and he, he drove a truck through it every time. Now Trump is president. Now they're afraid they're going to get blamed again. 
I mean, what do they wake up afraid every day that something horrible is going to happen to them if they actually keep their promises and and they do their job? By the way, what's so big about being a congressman or a senator? It's a job like any other job. It's not supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about the people that you represent and serving the people. It's not supposed to be anything else than that. You know, I mean, what is a job of a waiter or a waitress or a bartender? You're in the service business. You serve your customers. And if you really take care of your customers, you get a bigger tip, usually. Some people are cheap. You do. Somebody's really nice, goes really out of their way to give you good service and really tries to make it a good experience for you. And, you, you know, you usually will try to tip them well. I tip them whether they're good or not. I just do. What? So what would your tip to Congress be right now? My tip to Congress is do your job. If you want to know what's good politically for Congress, what's good, what's good, if, if it's, it's a bit of a paradox. You know, they think that if they don't take a chance and they don't rock the boat and they don't do anything and they just stay under the radar and get reelected and 90% of these people, 95% get reelected every time, why risk my job? Okay, well, is this your profession? Is this what you want? It's supposed to represent the people. It's supposed to be the people's house. Or if you're in the upper chamber, the senator, I mean, is it about just being a senator or is it because you really are there to make a difference? The one thing that Trump does, for better or worse, I mean, I noticed he was going into foreign policy today, and he really wants to dig deep and see if you can't create a NATO in the Middle East uh, similar to what we have. It's an amazing, the guy just keeps working and working and working and working and and just keeps fighting through. But by the way, with all this crap hanging over his head, I don't even know how he does it anymore. I think think so many other people would have been literally paralyzed by this type of investigation. And the president, one of the things he does is he fights back. And I think it's good that he fights back. He's not hiding anything from the American people. He's being transparent. He thinks it's a witch hunt. I agree with him. He thinks it's unfair. I agree with him there, too. I think this has gone on long enough and wasted a lot of people's money. I think that's true, too. And, you know, he's looking at what the Democrats want to do, and he's saying, okay, we had eight years of that, and it was a disaster. That's why I ran. I want to make things different. Uh, McConnell, by the way, praised postponing a Putin visit and says funding, says wall funding will wait. He said he agrees with the president to postpone the Putin meeting, McConnell also announced settling federal funding for the southern border wall will likely wait until after the November midterm elections. Why? What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? And the president just said on Sunday that well, I'll just shut the government down. And you know what? Why? I don't think that's a bad thing. By the way, it's, you never really shut the government down. Essential employees still work. Our air traffic controllers will be working the skies and our police, Capitol Police, will be at work. And, you know, basically like 75 percent of the government works. So the others get a free vacation because they always get compensated after they get back. You know, just maybe a little delayed in getting their check, but they always back pay them. So you get a free vacation. I'd love a government shutdown if I was working for the government. I mean, half the Congress is out half the year anyway. They don't even work. Well, going back to our districts to hold town halls, they don't even want to hold town hall meetings anymore in this environment. So, um, you know, we'll have to see what, what, what happens here. I'm all for standing up for your promises that you made and keeping your promises. 
Lots being made over the president meeting with uh, Mr. Sulzberger of the New York Times. And uh, anyway, they too held the meeting July 20th to address what the Times described as the administration's concerns about coverage. I guess fake news. Had a very interesting meeting at the White House with the uh, with A.G. Salzberger, uh, the publisher of the New York Times, spent much of the time talking about vast amount of fake news being put out by the media and how fake news has morphed into the phrase enemy of the people. Sad. The Times is upset that he uses that. They have an obligation to do their jobs. And they there's more false reporting on a daily basis. I mean, almost everything we read now, you can't trust it anymore. None of these cable channels are news channels. It's 24-hour opinion. Now, you might say, well, that's what you do, Hannity. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm a talk show host, and I'm honest about it. And as a talk show host, sometimes we do investigative reporting. Sometimes, God forbid, something happened right now that was newsworthy. If there was, a, a, God forbid, a shooting somewhere, we will then go into news operation mode where we're just reporting the news straight. We do investigative reporting that, for example, on all the deep state information that has all come true. And about FISA warrants and about... Yeah, rigging an investigation. We've done all that. The rest of the media has ignored that. That's news investigations. Then we do commentary. That means I give my opinion or I have other guests give their opinions. Or sometimes I moderate debates between like Jonathan and Danielle McLaughlin. So, you know, that's what we do. That's all part of being a talk show host. You're not a journalist. No, I'm a talk show host. But part of the job of being a talk show host sometimes is being a news person or a journalist. Or an investigative journalist. All part of it. Everybody wants to know, what do you do for a living? I'm a talk show host. What is a talk show host? I just explained it to you. All the above. Yeah, I am a journalist. And I'm also an opinion person. And we also do investigations. And I moderate debates. And I debate others myself. And we take calls. So that's what a talk show host is. Um, I saw some other news out here that made... Or Ruth Bader Ginsburg says she thinks she's going to be on for at least five more years, which is interesting. Um... I've got them. There are 61 seats that we really have to watch. When you look at the math, there's only about 100 of the 435 House seats that are competitive. 86 of the 100 are Republican seats. So for the GOP to maintain control of Congress, they have to keep 61 of those, flip three of the 14 Democratic seats that are competitive. Now, that could be a difficult task. Unless you realize that if you don't vote this election, everything that I just said the Democrats want to do, they're going to do. All progress as it relates to the Trump agenda, except what he can do through executive orders, is done. It's over. And we need more seats in the Senate. Right now, Judge Kavanaugh, he got a big endorsement from Rand Paul today, who's going to vote for him. That's a big hurdle. Got to hear from Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and Ted Cruz, but... I have a pretty good feeling that we're going to get the votes to pass Judge Kavanaugh, but they're still planning to st- listen. His family, those cute kids of his, his family is they get ready. They're about to be hit by a bus, verbally speaking, because the Democrats are going to try and bork him. They're going to do what they did to Clarence Thomas. And throughout the week and throughout this next 98 days, we're going to tell you what are the must win seats. And maybe your seat is super safe because my, we got to remember, Maxine Waters has been sent by God to get Trump. She told us. She absolutely said it. 
All right, as we roll along, all right, a lot coming up today as uh, Newt Gingrich will join us 98 days away from Election Day. And, yeah, the most important midterms in your life. I, um, I guess it's hard to get people motivated for midterm elections. Historically, that's proven to be the case. They'll come out for presidential elections. This is just as important. I don't know what else to say except that they don't have, meaning the Democrats, they've got their old playbook. And they add the following. They want the crumbs back. They want to impeach Trump. They want to stop the investigations. They want open borders. And they want Obamacare. Can you name? Here's a test. Anyone listening? Can you name any other thing that they are advocating for? Can you name anything that's positive for the lives and the future of the American people? Because if you see it or hear it, tell us. We need to know. The Democrats want to raise everybody's taxes. They want to give back these massive tax cuts that we got and reforms that are so good for everybody, but the tax cuts. So they want to raise people's taxes. They want to open up borders. They want to get rid of ICE. I mean, the things they're doing are so destructive. We're not, we won't have a country. So uh, they want they want their crumbs back. Yeah, they yeah, want no, their crumbs uh, back. They want open borders. They want Obamacare. Yeah. They want to impeach you, and they want to stop all investigations into deep corruption. We did meet. We had a great meeting, a very, very great meeting. I mean, I think you could have lost 50 million people more. Uh, if you think that Seoul is 28 million people, it's right on the border. You know, people say hundreds of thousands, not hundreds. Of, we're, we're talking about 50, 60, 100 million people could have been wiped out and lost. We had a great meeting, uh, historic, and among other things where the remains are starting to come back, missiles have been stopped. We don't have rockets and missiles shot over Japan. Uh, the hostages, we got them back. Even before I left, we got them back. Uh, nuclear testing, no more. Uh, rocket testing, no more. So many things have changed. And, you know, uh, one thing, all of their propaganda material and the propaganda, which has been up for years, propaganda, the signs, the music, it's all stopped. It's all been taken down. So many positive things have happened. And, you know, we have time. We have, There's no rush. I, I told my people, don't rush. We have sanctions on. We haven't taken any sanctions off. And we hope uh, I look forward to the time when we do take the sanctions off, because when that happens, a lot of good things will have happened on the other side. We're on track to hit the highest annual average growth rate in over 13 years. And I will say this right now, and I'll say it strongly as the trade deals come in one by one. We're going to go a lot higher than these numbers. And these are great numbers. Once again, we are the economic envy of the entire world. When I meet the leaders of countries, the first thing they say invariably is, Mr. President, so nice to meet you. Congratulations on your economy. Since I was elected, we've added 400,000 new manufacturing jobs. Remember, that was the obsolete deal. Obsolete. I used to say, why is it obsolete? We have to make things. Manufacturing jobs are among our best jobs. And we're just getting started. All right, that was the president from this radio show last week after these great numbers come out on uh, Friday, which is good news, historic records on every single category that you can imagine. Record low unemployment now in 14 states, women in the workforce, Hispanic Americans, African Americans, Asian Americans, and uh, U.S. vets are now getting their jobs back. We have more jobs available than we have people that are on, on, on unemployment. I mean, this is... All good if you care about the forgotten men and women of the country 
Not good if you are political and you want to get your power back after eight years of economic stagnation and even worse. Former Speaker of the House, author of the book Trump's America, The Truth About Our Nation's Great Comeback, a New York Times bestseller, is uh, with us now. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, and uh, the economic news was amazing. I think Trump has every right to feel like his policies are vindicated, and the left was just plain wrong. Well, the left's been wrong a lot. I mean, I, I never got that it never became an issue. You know, when you, if, if you spend eight years in the presidency and you got 13 million more Americans on food stamps and 8 million more in poverty, and now we can see we have, we've gone from the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s to now the highest that we've ever had, two, two or three million fewer people on food stamps and four million more jobs created. I think that's a pretty good story in 18 months. It is, and I, I think what's really important is that he's laid a base with his deregulation policies, his tax type policies, uh, his tough pro-American trade policies. He's laid a base to continue this economic growth so that uh, it's not just a one-time thing, but in fact, we have the base now to really continue to grow as a country. And frankly, when you remember how big our economy is, 4% growth of our economy is a lot of additional money. And I think that's a very exciting part of this. Yeah. The other thing is, I mean, so we're now, what, 98? And I think it's the most important midterms in our life. And I'm looking at, you know, some of the polls. They'll say slight advantage for the Democrats. Uh, I'm not somebody that believes that that anything is going to happen until it actually happens. There was talk of a blue wave. That seems to have been mitigated by the president's success. But never underestimate a Republican's ability to ruin an election. I think that's right. Uh, Joe Gaylord, who you know, helped uh, design the 94 contract with the America campaign uh, with me. He and I are writing a paper right now for the House Republicans because I believe if they try to run one district at a time, they will lose the House and Nancy Pelosi will be speaker and the Democrats will try to impeach the president. On the other hand, I think if the House Republicans decide to wage a national campaign and to draw the line sharply, I mean, as the president himself said, you have a choice here between a party which wants to, to control our border to protect the American people and a, part, and a party that believes in open borders, is willing to let MS-13 gang members in, believes in sanctuary cities, even though they increase the crime rate. Now, that's a pretty big choice. And I think if we are willing to run a big choice campaign on that, on, on health, on the economy, uh, that we can win and win decisively, uh, but we will lose if we try to hide from these issues, we've got to have the guts to go out there, stand toe-to-toe with the liberal media, and stand toe-to-toe with the Democrats and win the argument. To me, it all comes down to this. This is the Democratic agenda. Now, they, they have their same playbook. I've been pointing it out for years. I've, you know, racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, misogynist, uh, Islamophobic, and dirty air and water, and kill children and throw granny over the cliff. But this time it's very specific. It, they want to impeach the president. They've told all their members to be quiet about it, but that's what they want to do. We know that they want to take the crumbs back. They called them crumbs. If they were just crumbs, that wouldn't be a big deal for the American people to keep them. But they are actively campaigning on rescinding the tax cuts and raising taxes. They seem perfectly happy with the broken promise of keep your doctor, keep your care and pay less. And, yeah, they want to eliminate ICE and they want open borders. And on top of that, all these investigations into corruption, they want to end. Yeah, by the way, 
Kellyanne Conway had a great line. She said, the Democrats want to eliminate ICE, but they can't eliminate ISIS. Uh, and that's the whole point. I mean, they live in a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. A study just came out that said that government-run health care would cost $32 trillion. It would bankrupt the American system. Uh, their tax increase policy would take people out of work and put them back on food stamps. For some reason, the Democrats just seem to love the idea of putting people on food stamps, where we love the idea of getting people a job. And that's what's happening now. All right, so, but on those main points, I, look, if the Democrats want to run on open borders and all these Democratic cities now are allow, allowing even illegal immigrants to register to vote, and they want open borders, and they want Obamacare, and they want to raise taxes, this is what they're running on, and they really do want to impeach this president no matter what, um, I would think they don't, I don't think that's a very positive agenda. I think the reason you took power in 1994 is because you ran on a positive pro-growth agenda and made promises that you said you'd keep. Well, that's why I think if the Republicans will make it clear, we'll draw the line nationally, we'll say, we're for controlling the border and protecting you from MS-13 and other criminals. Uh, Every Democratic senator has co-sponsored Senator Feinstein's open borders bill, which means that every single senator up for re-election as a Democrat ought to be getting hammered every single day by their Republican opponent simply simply waving the bill. So here's a real bill that they signed that would create open borders that would make America vulnerable to anybody in the world who wanted to come here. Uh, but you can't defend that. I think the Republicans ought to be out there saying we want to, we want to continue cutting taxes to continue creating jobs. They want to go back to raising taxes to kill your job and put you back on food stamps. You you choose which future do you want? Yeah, I think it comes down to a choice. Should they put it, Republicans nationalize the elections and put it down on paper, what they're going to do? And what do you think of the idea of the president? Because I think he's right. And really simple is to say, hey, we'll shut down the government because our security means more than whatever political benefits we have. And he's talking about doing it for funding the border wall. Well, look, I, I think that he is putting Schumer on notice that Schumer has to decide he would rather close the government than protect the American people. And if the president will draw the line, so it's not just about the wall, but it's about an open borders Democratic Party, a pro-sanctuary Democratic Party, a Democratic Party that is willing to allow criminals to come to the U.S. versus controlling the border, then I think we have, I think, a very big winning issue. Let me ask this. What about writing it down? I like the idea that you make promises and you keep them and I'm kind of frustrated the Republicans made a lot of promises in years gone by, and they didn't keep them. But the president seems to keep his. I, look, I think a House Republican platform this fall that had, say, five to ten big items would be a good thing to do. Uh, and I think you could fashion it so that all of them would be in the 70 or 80 percent approval range. And they would draw a really sharp contrast. When you watch the radical extremist wing of the Democratic Party beginning to defeat the progressive wing, uh, you begin to realize how far to the left they're going. And they're giving us an opening to create an amazing uh, choice, if you will, where the gap is so big that the average American is going to decide that they have no alternative except to turn out and vote Republican just to stop the disaster that would occur if the Democrats took control. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got to tell you, it's to me, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. We got one chance here to fix the country. But with all that said, You know, we still have all of the headlines about Russia, 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 Robert Mueller, Michael Cohn and, 
you know, Paul Manafort's on trial this week. This is where people's minds are at, and this is what they're being fed every day. They're not being told. They're not being told exactly what's what the good news is ever. You know, then uh, Salzberger, the New York Times, meets with the president uh, and is offended at the idea that the president says fake news and that they're enemies of the people. What is your reaction to the coverage that the president's going to get and the fact that the media seems so abusively biased? Look, the the liberal media is the opposition party. Uh, They're going to do everything they can to throw up everything they can find. Uh, they're going to hide from the, the big issues. They're going to hide from the good news. Uh, you know, w- where are the stories that point out you have the lowest level of black unemployment in American history? Well, all these so-called liberal papers are so bitterly anti-Trump, they're not going to print anything which is helpful to the Republicans. And, and that's but we just have to design the campaign to overcome that. And I think we can do that. I think we can we can hammer it home. Uh, remember that in 19 or in 2016. None of these papers were for Trump. Uh, none of them thought Hillary would lose. And uh, none of them wanted to carry our issues on our terms. So I think we have to simply be louder and more, more consistent and more decisive and take them head on. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich's uh, latest book is a New York Times bestseller, The Truth About Our Nation's Great Comeback. Uh, and it's happening. You know, part two of your book, you talk about the, the the traps that the president would be facing. We have, it seems like, you know, we're getting to a an important point as it relates to the Mueller investigation. Rudy Giuliani out there saying collusion is not a crime, which it is not. Um, and I, I would argue that if 100 senators were up for re-election and they got a phone call saying, hey, I've got dirt on your opponent, I think probably everyone would take the call, don't you? Oh, sure. And I, look, I think this is largely a phony issue. And I think that, uh, again, it's an example where I hope the president would spend more of his time focusing on the good news, focusing on what's really happening in a positive way, and less of his time worrying about this junk. I, I haven't seen anything yet from Miller after a year and a half that justifies the amount of money he's spent or the things he's working on. And I think that the president ought to uh, focus on doing his job and let the lawyers and the news media fight. Yeah, well, that's true. And But with that said, that now consumes, you know, almost every minute of every hour of every day of so-called news coverage. We don't have news in America anymore. It's all opinion, but they like to call themselves news. Sure, but, I, but that doesn't mean that we, have to, that we have to pay attention to what they're doing. Uh, we have every right to, you know, Ronald Reagan was very good at blowing right past that stuff. And, and staying focused on the things that he thought mattered. And I think that uh, you know, that's, that's how you break through. You break through because you don't allow the elite media to uh, distort what you're doing and to get you off. We don't want to be on the fights they want. We want to be on the fights we want. Well, that's the thing. I think the fighters really should be about keeping these men and women that are getting off the food stamp rolls out of poverty back in the labor market and not only in the labor market, but also a, a huge ladder that can start climbing towards success. I mean, people that now have the American dream once again attainable for themselves. And while we're doing it, simultaneously keeping the world safe. Well, I think that's right. I think that that. Uh... We have to look at why is what, what why is there such a big gap between what Trump is actually accomplishing? Uh, so you think about it, it's really remarkable, and what all the liberals said he could accomplish. I mean, they were clearly just plain wrong, and I think that's very important as you think about 
where should the country go, what should our policies be in the future, uh, we now know that we have an opportunity to uh, continue to create jobs, to continue to increase take-home pay, and to apply the same principles to solving issues like health care uh, and giving us better outcomes at lower cost in a way that is very good for the average American. All right. We've got to leave it there, Mr. Speaker. Thank you for being with us. Congrats on the book. It's up on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. And we'll take a quick break. We will come back. we got uh, Greg and Peter Schweitzer coming up uh, straight ahead as we continue. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? All right, I haven't been getting to a lot of calls lately, so let's do that now while we can. Uh, Frank is in Glendora out in beautiful California, the home of In-N-Out Burger, probably the only real reason to live in California, although In-N-Out should expand all around the country, in my humble opinion, and they haven't quite done that yet. But anyway, Frank, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Good. How are you doing, Sean? I'm good. What's going on? Yeah, I'm here in California, and, you know, I'm a teacher, too. Wow. Well, listen, being a teacher, maybe out in California is not a bad gig, right? Well, it is, but it's dangerous politically, at least talking politically it is. And if you speak politically and you happen to be conservative, you could get in some trouble. Exactly. Uh, What I wanted to call about today was the Cohen thing, you know, this thing about Cohen saying that that the president, uh, you know, knew about the meeting. Uh, From what I understand, the crime was during the election was that someone hacked the computers, uh, John Podesta's computers, that the FBI never got to see. And the the timeline just doesn't match up because this meeting with uh, Trump Jr. happened in June. The crime was committed in March. So it, it would seem to me if they were in on it or wanted the Russians to do it, that they would be having a meeting and tell them, hey, can you hack the computers for us? And then... You know, we'll give you this, we'll give you that, we'll give you... Well, it was already hacked. They were hacked in June. So what were, so what were they doing at that meeting then? The, the, the deed was already done. And the, then the, the thing is, and I think this is what Rudy's saying, and nobody understands this, is that, you know, pull up that cut if we can, Jason. We have a call. Um, Adam Schiff, who's the biggest loser, liar... I've, I've heard it. You know, I'll play it for maybe those that have not had it. He thought he was talking to a Russian and that the Russian had compromising information. And, you know, let, let me and – the, and he's, he's playing along. He wants the information badly. And I would argue that any campaign at any level of any race, if somebody calls you and says, I got information on your opponent, why wouldn't you listen? It's not illegal to listen. Anyway, here's what said. Okay, and so Buseva met with Trump uh, in, uh, oh. in uh, New York at some point after the 2013 Miss Universe uh, yes. Pageant. Absolutely. And she got uh, compromising materials on Trump after their uh, short relations. Okay. And, and what's the nature of the compromise? Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so Putin was made aware uh, of the, the availability of the compromising material? Yes, of course, uh, Buzova shared those materials with uh, Sobchak, and Sobchak shares those materials with uh, Putin because she's a goddaughter of Putin, and Putin decided to press on Trump. Um, and, uh, and the materials that you can provide to the committee or to the FBI, uh, would they corroborate this allegation? 
Sure, of course. Uh, when they were in Ukraine, we got their conversation by the phone where they discussed those uh, compromising materials. We are ready to provide it to FBI. So you, you have recordings of both Sovchak and Buseva uh, where they're discussing the compromising material on uh, Mr. Trump? Absolutely. I mean, so there you have it. What is that? Sounds like collusion with Russia. Oh, we want all that information because it's anti-Trump. That information's fine. Now, everybody that is in the meeting said the same thing, that there, it was about the Magnitsky Act or whatever that act was about adoption as it relates to Russia and had nothing at all to do with Hillary Clinton. And this is what they're trying to make the biggest deal over. Now, one of the things that has come up here, well, Michael Cohen, although Lanny Davis contradicted that Michael Cohen said this, was that Michael Cohn's uh, actually had testified in 2017. And it's been a week now since the news broke that uh, he had indeed, that he had tape recordings, what, 12 of them. And there's really been no bombshells since then. He only heard the one tape with Trump's voice on it. Apparently, according to Trump's lawyers, that's the only one. But the fake news industry, industrial complex, and their breathless coverage. But part of the story now includes another point, which is, that when Cohn testified before the House Intel Committee in 2017, um, you know, he said it's not true. So he said, you know, given my own proximity to the president, let me say that I never saw anything, not a hint of anything that demonstrated his involvement in Russian interference in our election or any form of collusion whatsoever. I don't know what you do with that. We'll give you the last word, Frank. Yeah, um, I don't know. The whole thing is, is crazy and uh, the the thing is, it seems to me, is that Trump or Trump Jr.'s friends sent him an email. The lawyer, the Russian lawyer, wanted to contact him. Hillary Clinton wanted to contact the Russians, so she hired a British spy to go to GPS to get because he had a lot of contacts in Russia to talk to Russians. She paid someone to go talk to people in Russia. They were seeking out Trump to try to get some kind of political advantage. It, it, it seems worse the other way around, seeking the Russians out and paying for it to me than than the opposite way around. And I, but I just don't see a crime there. The crime was when the, the whoever hacked those computers, that was a crime. And Trump Jr. meeting with them after the fact, the crime was already committed. And if they they need to prove that uh, Trump, they're going to need a video of Trump telling Putin, "I want you to hack the computers," because. <laughs> Well, uh, look, I, I mean, we don't know who has what, because even the original draft of Comey and Strzok's, you know, investigation into Hillary said that the six foreign intel services had hacked into Hillary's server. So who knows what, who has what? I mean, this hacking thing goes way beyond just one country. All these countries are trying to hack us. And sadly, a lot of people are successful and we don't have... We've never built up our cyber defenses, which is inexcusable at this point to me. All right, Trish in Jacksonville on WOKV. What's up, Trish? How are you? And we're glad you called. Hi, Shannon. I'm so nervous. I'm sorry. Uh, Don't let not your heart be troubled. (laughs) Don't be nervous. You sound great. I've been trying to reach you on my way home probably for weeks, trying to get on. Every time I hear you say something, I'm like, I got to call him. I got to call him. I got to call him. Well, I'm glad you're on. Thank you. Well, I wanted to talk to you about the, the Crump story that keeps coming out from the Democrats. It just drives me absolutely crazy because... You said the Crump story, right? Yes, the Crump story. 
Um, so I wanted to tell you my Krupp story because I think I'm the typical person out okay. here in the country, and that is I am, uh, I'm 61. I am a grandma. I'm a mama. I have a special needs baby or grand, uh, grandchild. I work 40 hours a week. I plug into my daughter's life on whatever I can. And, uh, you know, uh, having almost $800 a month extra with the tax cut has made a substantial difference in my life. And I can spend it way better than the government can spend it because I have needs that I worked hard for that money. And I'm able to plug now more into my special needs uh, granddaughter's life. I'm able to, I, I increased my 401k percentage that's going in there so I can get a larger match from my company. Um, and I still have money left over to buy extra things that I spend in the community. So guess what? When I spend more money here, there's going to be more jobs needed for small business community to, to add to their uh, to their um, uh, group so, so that they can serve more people who are now buying more. So it, it just uh, I just wanted to share that because uh, what what Trump is is he's a business president. He knows how to run a business. He is trying to remake um, America to, to operate like a real business where income minus expenses equals cash flow. And when cash flow is there, we can do a whole lot more for our country and for our people. Listen, and I, I just support him so let me, much. Let me tell you, Trish, you're describing the lives of many people. And if you look at the numbers, it's actually scary. And it was a big part of my life. And, and I'll be honest, I got luckier than I ever thought I would. And, and I feel blessed. But so I, I know the paycheck to paycheck life. I lived it. $800 if you really stretch it. And I mean, if you go to uh, a place, let's say you like chicken or pork chops or whatever, and you buy, maybe you wouldn't normally buy like steak or something. Okay, now you're buying it. You can buy steaks and cook it yourself and save a lot of money. Or maybe you just go to, you know, pizza or, or McDonald's for the kids where you might not otherwise be able to afford that. Uh, maybe you take a, you know, $100 extra a month and that becomes a much nicer car. I mean, $100 with a car payment is, you know what, a not, you can usually get a much nicer car if you're paying 300 or $400 a month for a car payment. Uh, or maybe you get a little bit nicer apartment. Or maybe you use the money as you're using it partly for retirement, partly for good. You know, they're not crumbs to real people. And the fact that they're so dismissive, they're they're so out of touch with what real life struggle is for a lot of people in this country. Most people don't have two months worth of savings. Worst case scenario, they get sick, they get in a bad accident. They have nothing. I've run into these people a lot in my life. And you can get blown out in literally five seconds with a bad diagnosis or a bad accident. And the idea is, is we want such a flourishing economy that if you keep living the same way you're living now and all the extra money you make, that's money you're going to put away for a rainy day or for your retirement. So, yeah, they're, they're not crumbs. They're, they're real dollars. These are real families in poverty, real families on food stamps, real families that are out of work. And government has been an obstacle, literally through burdensome regulation, ridiculous taxation, driving businesses away. And then we have the other factor, which is we've demonized businesses as if they're bad people. I've never gotten a job from a poor person. You know, all the years when I was out working in restaurants, poor people don't come into restaurants and give me tips. And poor people uh, don't hire contractors. They do it themselves or they don't do it. You know, or it just is it's the reality of life. 
or make big TV companies that I can work for, big radio companies that I can work for. So, yeah, you get the last word. Uh, I just wanted to tell you, I have a stark difference between now and in 2009, 2010. I was a realtor. I was making fantastic money. And guess what? The economy went to hell in a handbasket. Oh, I think I can say that. And um, I lost my job. I lost my house. I lost my car. The difference is night and day. Trump is the right person for our country at this time, at this moment. Well, let me tell you something. going to make it better. They, they so want their power back. They'd rather we, he fail. And they're rooting for failure. What did Bill uh, Maher wish for a recession? Bill Maher is recession proof. What does he care? He gets this pew as vile and as putrid hate on TV regardless of whether it's a good economic time or a bad economic time. This economy is going pretty well. We have to, what? You're, why, why is that funny? Hey, it is going well for now. For now, right. That's my, thank you. That's my question. <laughs> is, like, I feel like the bottom has to fall out at some point. And by the way, I'm hoping for it because I think one way you get rid of Trump is a crashing economy. Yeah. So please, bring on the recession. Yeah. Sorry if that hurts people, but it's either root for a recession or you lose your democracy. Root for a recession. Mm-hmm. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right, let's get to our busy phones here. In the meantime, as we say hi to Marianne is in Kalamazoo, Michigan. What's up, Marianne? How are you? Glad you called. I am doing great, Sean. How about yourself? I'm good. I've been to Kalamazoo a bunch. It's nice there. It's a wonderful city. They even wrote a song about it. Um, your last caller just talked about, I cannot believe that the Democrats would want to see the country fail in order for Trump to um, be impeached or whatever, to see him fail. But it's nice to hear the, the other side of your life and what goes on with you. But what struck me was when you were talking about how your daughter hangs her head out the window and it, when you're driving and you're like, wait, talk to me. And because I've had similar um Oh, no, no, no. What my daughter does is if we're in the car, she's like watching, looking out the window. Her head's not out the window. Yes. And she's looking away from me and she has, you know, a very soft voice and I have a hard time hearing her. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yes. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. And so um, I just um, purchased hearing aids a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I I know that it's really hard for people to accept that part of it. But there's also good things about it, that it can change your life and that you're no longer having to go, turn to me, listen to me, or... Um, Sean, if I could interrupt for one second, if, just uh, for a brief moment. Oh, Marianne, excuse me. Linda wants to say you're great. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I mean, Marianne, you're just singing, you're singing what I'm singing every day. And just think, Sean, of all the things you miss that I say to you, no, no, now you're, you'll you're, hear it all. And clearly... The, the one thing that... I, the one person that I don't miss hearing is Linda. That's right. Because oh, oh. let me tell you something. He doesn't mean like he doesn't miss it because he does miss it. When he goes oh, on vacation, I don't miss it. No. sometimes he calls me just so I can yell at him. It's fun. But you know what? If he can't hear me, I yell a little louder. Imagine, you'd be doing Marianne, me a favor. My throat is very sore. Marianne, there are certain voices yeah. you just can't not hear. And hers is one of them. Trying to say I'm uh, nails on a chalkboard? What are you no, trying to say? No, I'm just saying it, it literally does have to do with the pitch, cadence of somebody's voice. Yes. That happens my when you daughter yes, speak. And, and I hear some people better than others. And I just, my daughter's voice is one of the ones that's hard to hear. All right, I've got the message. Maybe I'll look, Marianne, but it is, I'm Good so idea. resistant to the idea, but thank you. Our news roundup is coming up next. We'll check in with Peter Schweitzer, Greg Jarrett, whose book is Blockbuster. That's next. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. 
All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN is a number. All right, so Devin Nunes was on with our friend Maria Bartiromo this weekend, and he keeps talking about what we've been talking about. By the way, News Roundup, Information Overload, 800-941-SEAN, and that is that people are going to be shocked when they see the additional unredacted 20 pages of the FISA application. And then Devin Nunes goes on to talk about the stall game going on at the FBI and the DOJ and their hope that Republicans lose the midterm elections. And then he further goes on to say that there will be interviews and depositions of witnesses over the August recess for this Russia scandal, the real Russia scandal, which is, of course, Hillary paying a foreign national with funneled money to use Russian lies to steal an election. That actually really did happen, and we've proved it. Anyway, here's uh, Devin Nunes. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal interview over the weekend, I, I stated that that I am quite confident because I've seen the, this game played many times before. Uh, there's a stall game going on at DOJ and FBI. They're trying to stall as much as they can, hoping and betting that Republicans would lose the House in the fall. And if that happens, then you essentially, it shuts down everything. Rod Rosenstein will not be held in contempt. FBI will not be held accountable. All these investigations will shut down. Everything will be buried. And you'll be left with media narratives saying, oh, what the public can't read what you really can't read what's blacked out that's the really bad stuff against carter page and the republicans in the trump campaign that's why the sooner the president declassifies this the better and i think the american people need to understand how important it's going to be to get out and vote in this election well what i can tell you is is that there was a move late last week to uh, begin uh, impeachment uh, I think there are there are grounds for impeachment, and we should hold them accountable. I think Congress has given up way too much power. Uh, the way I understand it is is that the Judiciary Committee and Oversight Committee got commitments on Friday. I think the Speaker also got commitments, from what I understand, that documents will be provided. So we're short a few documents. We we are supposed to see those this week, uh, but in addition to that, interviews slash depositions will begin over August. So we will have members of Congress that will be flying back to Washington during August to conduct interviews with very important witnesses uh, that need to be interviewed as it relates to getting to the bottom of this Russia Gate scandal. I mean, pretty powerful remarks by Devin Nunes of the House Intel Committee here to blow this wide open. Greg Jarrett, his book is still number one in the country. Uh, which is amazing, and uh, congratulations to the Russian hoax, the illicit scheme to clear Hillary Clinton, frame Donald Trump, another number one New York Times bestselling author. We get some of the smartest people uh, in the business on this program. Secret Empires, how the American political class hides corruption and enriches family and friends. And uh, he's also the president of the Government Accountability Institute. Peter Schweitzer's back with us. Uh, Greg, I think this was really revealing. You I, Sarah, others have all talked about these 19, he's saying 20 pages that have been redacted as it relates to the FISA memo. That obviously is very important. And then he says, yeah, they want to stall at the FBI and DOJ. They want Republicans to lose. And he's saying there will be interviews and depositions and witnesses. This is not going away, which is important. Right. These are 20 critical redacted pages in the FISA documents that need to be declassified, as well as the gang of eight documents related to FISA abuse. And I think once the American public casts their eyes on these documents, it will be very revealing of the Russia hoax, the title of my book. 
Uh, Rosenstein and the Department of Justice repeatedly define lawful subpoenas about not just FISA abuse, but the origins of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Uh, Rosenstein treats Congress with contempt. He should be held in contempt. This is a guy who's been covering up and obstructing justice. What's your take, Peter Schweitzer? We haven't had you on a lot about this, and I know there's still the surveillance, unmasking, and leaking raw intelligence scandal. Uh, You're the one that broke open the Uranium One scandal. All the talk about that. The Clintons made millions and literally handed over 20% of our uranium to Putin and Russia. Uh, Another bigger scandal ignored by the media. I mean, it's... I mean, you've got to be sitting back in fascination. Paul Manafort's going on trial tomorrow for a 2005 tax case that had nothing to do with Russia. And here the Clintons get off scot-free every time. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to watch all of it, Sean. Um, you know, it was it was said once that, uh, you know, politics is like comedy. Uh, timing is everything. And when you look at the timing, the pattern of events in the Russia investigation, in the collusion investigation, now with the DOJ resistance uh, on, um, you know, providing the American people with access to the FISA warrant, um, you see that that timing uh, supports the case that these are political actions by leadership. And, you know, Greg, uh, in his book, does a fantastic job of laying out the timeline in a sense uh, that makes sense. I mean, let's keep in mind, uh, you know, the DOJ and FISA got the FISA uh, warrant back in 2016. It was February of 2018 when uh, Congressman Nunes uh, released the heavily redacted memo that revealed Fusion GPS was behind the Steele dossier. And and here we are basically, you know, end of July, early August, um, and they can continue to drag their feet. Um, Congress is performing its role on oversight, which is what it's supposed to do, uh, and the executive branch is not immune to oversight. Um, And we're at the situation now with Rod Rosenstein and impeachment uh, because he's essentially put us in this situation by dragging his feet and not sharing this uh, material with Congress, which has legitimate oversight responsibility. Yeah, I mean, and we're not getting, it seems like we're not getting there um, I, I mean, I, I cannot believe, let's use the Manafort standard here, Greg Jarrett, and I keep talking about the dangers to our Constitution and Fourth Amendment protection rights and illegal spying on American citizens, which we know took place, and, you know, unmasking and all of, all of this. And then Hillary gets away with violating the Espionage Act, the biggest obstruction case we've ever, ever seen we have highest level official, high level officials in the DOJ and FBI putting a fix in and rigging her investigation. Then, of course, she gets to go out, funnel money through a law firm, hire a foreign national, get Russian debunked lies, to, you know, and pass it through a FISA court, not telling them who paid for it, not telling them they didn't verify it. And having officials, it's in your book, that people like Brennan were literally disseminating that false information as the CIA director politically to damage Trump and influence an election. Well, the dossier itself, which is uh, laughable and phony on its face, uh, the FBI knew this, but they didn't care. They exploited it as a pretext for the investigation and to wiretap the Trump campaign. Uh, But when they did that... They were concealing from the FISA court uh, vital evidence and deceiving the judges. That's a fraud on the court. It's a felony called abuse of power. 
And as we now know, having seen the most recent version of the FISA application, the dossier was the bulk of the Warren application, exactly as Andrew McCabe told Congress behind closed doors. And yet the FBI and the DOJ never informed the court that this was paid for by the Clinton campaign and the Democrats. They are required by FBI regulations to first verify any evidence they present to the court. They did not do that by Comey's own admission. You know, I'm just listening to both of you, and you're both very smart people, and you both have have literally opened open people's eyes to the level of corruption. You know, Peter, I just can't imagine that they can get away with all of this. But the number one question I'm being asked or statement I'm being told is, oh, the Clintons get away with everything. They're going to get You watch. They're going to skate. They're going to get away with this. And, you know, I'm beginning to wonder if they're not wrong. Look, um, I think that in Washington, uh, you have this entrenched network of incumbents, uh, people that have been political power for decades, uh, some Democrats, some Republicans. They operate as what I call the permanent political class, uh, and they protect each other. And what you're seeing uh, in November 2016 with the election of Donald Trump, you saw it within the Democratic Party with the rise of Bernie Sanders. You see it with the Freedom Caucus. You see it with people uh, on the left of the Democratic Party who are tired of that kind of cast, that kind of political cast running things in Washington, D.C. And the double standards are blatant. Um, You know, look at the Paul Manafort case. I carry no water for Paul Manafort, and I think that any laws that he violated, he ought to be charged with. But here's the problem. He is being charged with, among other things, violation uh, of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, FARA, which was created in the 1930s. If you are being hired by a foreign government, or a foreign government entity to interact with U.S. government officials, you fire a FARA, file a FARA report. Uh, and Paul Manafort didn't do that, uh, so he's being charged. Well, somebody who also didn't do that was Tony Podesta, who lobbied on behalf of Russian interests. And he went after the Manafort investigation started, Sean, in April of 2017. He said, oops. I forgot to file fair reports, so he filed uh, late reports. In August of 2017, he went back and did several other filings, including six of his employees that had dozens of meetings with government officials on behalf of Russian clients. So, you know, my question is, yes, Paul Manafort ought to be investigated, but so should Tony Podesta, and yet he's not. And it's that double standard that I think has led people to be so angry and frustrated in Washington, D.C. And until that double standard is dealt with, the level of anger, I think, is only going to increase, and rightfully so. So what is it at this point, do you think, Greg, that's holding the president under Article 2? He has the ability to demand that this information be handed over. I assume there's some reason why his attorneys don't want him to do that. What would they be? Well, I suspect that Don McGahn, his White House counsel, is misleading the president. Um, and I can't account for that. Uh, but, you know, sunshine is the best disinfectant. And I think that this material needs to be immediately declassified. Obviously, you don't want to jeopardize methods and sources. But every time the DOJ redacts something and then is forced to unredact, we find out they're not protecting sources and methods. They just made up the classified status of it, uh, to hide wrongdoing. 
And so I, I think the president needs to stop listening to Don McGahn, probably needs to replace Don McGahn, and uh, get somebody in there who sees the bigger picture and is interested in fairness and justice. Do you know what's in those 19 pages that are so damning? Because I keep hearing those 20 pages, 19 pages are devastating. I don't. Uh, I have a source who knows the contents of them, tells me that they are absolutely critical uh, and would essentially exonerate Trump and implicate the investigators. Uh, But he won't reveal the contents of them. And I understand that perfectly. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back more with Greg Jarrett, who's uh, on his book tour now and is uh, the number one book in the country. Peter Schweitzer, of course, his book was number one as well. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. We'll get to your calls immediately following our interview with these guys. And then uh, Hannity tonight at nine. All right. As we continue, final thoughts with Peter Schweitzer, author of Secret Empires, How the American Political Class Hides Corruption and Enriches Family and Friends. Greg Jarrett, number one book in the country right now, just released The Russian Hoax, The Illicit scheme to clear Hillary Clinton and frame Donald Trump. We have the book, by the way, on Hannity.com. It's in bookstores all around the country. Uh, what is the next step here? Rudy Giuliani saying today, collusion is not a crime. They don't have a bleepity bleepity thing. Well, I, I spend quite a bit of time in the book explaining how collusion in a political campaign with a foreign nation is not a crime. It's legal for foreign nationals to volunteer their services. Uh, what is a crime, however, is to pay somebody, as Hillary Clinton did, a foreign national, uh, for information from Russians to uh, target Donald Trump. And it's also a crime uh, for the FBI and the Department of Justice to use that and to lie to a court for a wiretap. So it's all reversed here. But in the end, I think uh, the information will come out. What's your final word, Peter Schweitzer? Well, I think uh, I think Greg is right. Um, you know, look, collusion is um, a sordid part of American history. All you have to do is go look at Anatoly Dobrynin's memoirs. He was a Soviet ambassador for 30 years during the Cold War, and he recounts American politicians from Jimmy Carter to Tip O'Neill uh, talking to him in the 1980s about how they should work together to undermine Ronald Reagan's presidential campaign. So this is a sordid part of America's uh, past. Um, I'm sure that uh, there are elements of it that continue to this day. But the bottom line is there's been no evidence presented of any collusion that's occurred. Um, and I think that what we have to do, and I, I really applaud Greg for this in his book, um, we really have to not see the Clinton investigation and the Trump collusion investigation as separate things, as two separate baskets. One of the strengths, I think, of his book is the fact that, that he shows the timing of how critical decisions are being made in one, and then on the same day, or in close proximity, a critical decision is being made on the other. Uh, and those decisions always seem to favor Hillary Clinton and always seem to be the, to the detriment of the Trump campaign. Uh, and that means we need transparency, transparency, transparency. That's the next step, and we've got to continue to push for that period. All right, guys, thank you for being with us. Uh, Peter Schweitzer, Greg Jarrett, 800 941 Sean, toll free number. When we get back, right to the phones as we continue on this busy breaking news day. This is the Sean Hannity Show. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to join us. Hey, Ethan, why don't you pull up a little bit of the Zach Brown band, because we actually went as a radio team here, except Jason, why didn't you come? 
We missed you. Some of us have to work on Sunday. I know. It's a work day for me, Chuckles. A chuckles. Why do you call me Chuckles? But we wanted you to, to come. But anyway, we uh, we had a great time, and uh, we were just hanging out, and they played some of the best music ever. And um, Linda was the one that surprised the, surprised the whole team with a box at City Field for the concert and an opportunity for me to go down and say hello to the band. Although Zach was really... That's right, cold beer on a Friday night. Pair of jeans, fit just right. Radio up. Oh, that's right, we're legally only allowed to like play 30 seconds of every song. Like You just get into the good part. Well, now that you're best friends with them, I'll just call them and I'll say, listen. You're going to call them, listen, say there's no country music in New York and Sean wants to play uh, the Friday concert series with Zach Brown Band. It'd be so great. Uh, We had a great time. Thank you for that uh, surprise for everybody. Uh, It was a team effort. Everyone was involved. Okay, everybody was involved. Team effort. You actually enjoyed a surprise for once in your life. No, No, he actually was surprised for once. That's the news. The The news news is is, that he was surprised. The news is I was surprised. Breaking news now. Not an easy thing to do. It was hard. But, well, I didn't get the, I did not, I knew something was up. Right, but you thought... Because I wrote, wrote you earlier in the day, and I wrote you, do you think I'm stupid? But you because thought... Because I didn't press... What? You thought that the surprise what? was that you were going to meet the band. That was it. I didn't think... Uh, and you said we were, like, in the front row. And I said that like, I got row second six. row No, you seats. said row six. No, I did not say row six. Something like that. I said row two. Okay, and then you then we got we got in, and then all of a sudden we get to the suite floor... And I'm like, all right, something's up. And I near, I'm being filmed as I walk down the hall. And I walk in, and then, like, all the friends of the show were there. It was so fun. We had Everybody had a great time. It was, it was glad, amazing. It was great to see Jeff Lord on top of everybody. He just recently lost his 99-year-old mother. And he had, he had literally devoted his life to her. Yes, he did. And uh, so I, he's a better son than I ever was. I was a pain in the you-know-what every day. Yeah, no, you and Jeffrey are a little different. Yeah. No, like he's he's old, nice and amazing, and uh-huh. you're a pain. But other than that, you guys have a lot in common. Wow. I was say- super nice to you last night. I can't do it every day. You're going to get used to it, and then it's going to get See, weird. See, this is times that you wish you didn't hear her voice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should get the uh, the hearing aids and just turn them off in, in the middle of her talking. Not this smile. is not okay. No, it's okay. All right, let's get to our phones. Uh, let's say hi to Larry is in Chicago. Uh, Larry, on the answer, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Good. How are you doing? I'm good. What's going on? Good. I wanted to point out about two years ago, when they when Congress re-ups the FISA laws, they created a, an ombudsman position, an attorney that would, in essence, advocate for privacy. I suppose because it was all done in secret, and you never hear about that person or what he did or didn't do with the uh, Trump wiretaps. All right, say say that again because you're a former prosecutor. That. So explain that again. Well, two years ago, when Congress redid the FISA law, right. they insisted that there be a what they call an ombudsman position, a, an attorney that was going to advocate for privacy because these things are done in secrecy, where you got the government prosecutor right. and the judge, and so there was, so Congress was worried about that, and so they created a position that's supposed to advocate for, in essence, the public, and you never heard what, what happened to that person when the Trump law, the t- Trump wiretaps were. Obtained. I mean, Listen, they were obtained under. The- you're a prosecutor. If you knew something was bought and paid for, uh, and you presented it to a judge to get a warrant, 
or if you never verified the information that you're presenting to a judge to obtain a warrant, uh, and you know that it's not verified, don't you have an obligation to tell the judge the truth? Well, you absolutely do, but you would think this Abbott person would have been able to point to see that anyway. Well, I'm pretty convinced Rod Rosenstein... Yeah, I, I mean, Rod Rosenstein signed the last one. How did he sign? How could you sign it based on? We knew it was a phony dossier. Well, we, we knew well, it was unverified. When, the way this works is the agent prepares the affidavit mm-hmm. and the prosecutor prepares the application. The statute says that the, the attorney general or designee has to sign off on the application. I doubt if Rosenstein actually read this thing because typically what it does is there's a unit of justice. That's all they do is read through and check wiretap applications. It's called the Office of Enforcement Operations. And what they do is they read through these things, the affidavit, the applications from the prosecutor, and then they write up a memo and send it out up to get the signature. So Rosenstein probably didn't read it because I'm sure they get hundreds of these things a week. I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely positively agree with you. And and I'm told the 19 pages that are redacted are devastating to him. And, you know, the, the thing is, is like they're going to start the Manafort trial. When you watch the media, they're going to go out of their minds tomorrow. Manafort trial is about 2005 to 7 a tax case. Has to do with Ukraine. Has to do with money. Has nothing to do with Trump-Russia collusion. None whatsoever. And it's like a fishing expedition. Just like the bot companies are now fighting back and they're saying, well, we don't want discovery on the other side. So those cases are probably going to drop away or the indictment of the equivalent of CIA operatives in Russia. They're never coming to the United States. But, you know, Mueller and his team get to mention a lot of Russians. So it kind of muddies the waters for everybody. Nothing. It's it's disgraceful. Anyway, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. And let's say hi to Drew is in Florida. Drew, hi. How are you? And we're glad you called, sir. We're in Florida. Are you? Hey. Yes, sir. I'm here in Gainesville. I live in Stark, Florida, but I work here in Gainesville, Florida. What's going on, sir? Just from doing AC work here in Gainesville, the difference I've seen just from the workload we've had from a couple of years ago to now, you know, the, it's, it's totally turned in a 180-degree opposite. It's nowadays we don't have – we have so much new construction work under Trump's economy. They're building houses everywhere, new buildings everywhere. <clears throat> Before, you know, under Obama's <laughs> legacy or whatever you want to call it, it was, you know, we didn't have enough. We had too many people and not enough work. Now we have too much work and not enough people. We can't get enough skilled laborers to do all the work we have. So, so let me ask you, how how about ba- how much more money are you making now because the economy's come back? And I'm not trying to be uh, nosy. You can share what you want to share. You don't have to tell no, us exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. The, at the hours, I would say I put in. You know, there were summer days we were going home at three or four o'clock now we can work as late as we want i mean just me personally from three years ago i'm making about twenty thousand dollars more a year now than well this year might be better but just this last year i made twenty thousand dollars more than i did a couple years ago and 20 grand is is what to you in your life that means a new car that means uh putting money away for retirement that means what you're 25 i don't know if you own a house yeah yeah, more money towards my 401k, yep. you know, and it's just more money for vacations. I just bought a new golf cart. I mean, anything I want, you know, and it's just it's a good problem we have now. And I wish they'd give the man a little more support, a little bit more support because he deserves a lot more than they're giving him. Listen, I did the exact same thing when I was your age. I did, you know, all this construction work. And, and those good years during the Reagan years were great years. And I had work booked out six months in advance. I was so busy. 
and it was a great wow. feeling and and I just kept working and working and I work 18 hour days and I ended up saving money for the first time in my life and I just recommend one thing to you always prepare for a rainy day there's always going to be a downturn there's cycles to the economy uh, just just to build a good customer base where, you know what, you're going to be their go-to guy for years to come because, you know, those things always have little problems with them that need to be fixed or the ducks need to be cleaned, whatever, you know? Right, right. All right, man. I'm, pr- I'm proud of you. Good job. That's awesome news. Good for you. Uh, Vicky's in Raleigh, North Carolina. What's up, Vicky? How are you? Hey, Sean. This is Vicky in Raleigh, and um, we were listening to the show on Friday, and I heard that you had an awesome World War II vet on named Woody. I guess he was turning 100. Oh, my gosh. He was, was great. Yeah. He he was awesome. And my father-in-law, he's deceased now. He was 91 when he passed about five years ago. But he wrote a book called What Am I Doing Here? He was a medic in World War II and the Battle of the Bulge in Normandy. And I would love to send Woody a copy of that book for his birthday. I know his birthday was Friday, wow. but um, I would love to send that to him. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to put you on the phone with Linda. Uh, if she curses, we're not responsible for the many curse words she says. You are solely responsible if you call it the Sean Hannity Show and Linda curses you out because you don't like what you're going to say. Um, so, but in all due, we will get it to him if, if that's what you want. Uh, almost sounds a little bit like, remember the, he was a conscientious objector. Hacksaw Ridge, wasn't that the movie? And it's an amazing yeah. movie. He ends up being the hero of the story. But people thought, well, you're not going to fight. You're a coward. He wasn't a coward. He just had a very strong religious faith and belief, and he ended up saving all these guys. I think it was based on yeah, a true story. Was- it was a Clint Eastwood movie, if I remember correctly, and it was done. It was so good. It was such a really good it movie. Was. Sounds like him. All right, I'll put it you on was. hold. Vicki, uh, thank you for doing that. It was Mel Gibson who I'm did that? Sure. Yeah, Mel Gibson did that movie. It was great. <laughs> Mel always has made great movies. Uh, all right, stay right there. QJ is in Michigan. What's up, QJ? How are you? I'm doing good, Sean. How about yourself? I'm good, sir. Glad you called. Uh, listen, I got a theory about Jeff Sessions. You keep asking where Jeff Sessions is. Somewhere along the lines, Jeff Sessions got compromised. Either he did something dirty or somebody he knows that he helped out did something dirty because he recuses himself from the... Uh, Mueller investigation for even the appearance of uh, a conflict of interest, and yet Rod Rosenstein has been constantly proven to have a conflict of interest, and yet Sessions doesn't say anything about it at all. And mm-hmm. It makes me wonder who's got dirt and what dirt is it. And I'd love to see somebody like Sarah Carter dig into that. You know, I don't know what it is. I can only say that this is not the Jeff Sessions that I knew as a senator. And it's inexplicable. I don't have an explanation. Um, I have no idea what's happened. It's it's actually shocking to me. And I his support of Rod Rosenstein seems just he seems impervious to understanding the depth of, I would say, conflict involving Rod Rosenstein himself. And I think the recusal was, as we pointed out, was based on the wrong law that he had even cited. So I don't know the answer. I just wish that we had answers. And I wish that he would step in here because I see it as the biggest abuse of power. If we need a special counsel, let's look into, you know, putting the fix it in Hillary's investigation, lying to FISA court judges and trying to steal a a presidential election. That's where I think the story is. Uh, David, quick, we have about a minute for you uh, this half hour. What's up, sir? 
Hey, thank you, Sean. You're a great American. Appreciate everything you do. So I have a couple quick comments okay. and then a quick proposal. Democratic Party is being pulled further left with their stupid ideas and policies that, that are totally not in tune with the American identity and experience. And it's capitalism that's the hemoglobin of that American spirit. The left wants nothing to do with capitalism, and all it has to offer, um, and now is a great time to offer you know, American citizens Really good information. So what I'm proposing, do you remember when you guys did the town hall forums years ago? Yeah. And had experts? I think we need to do one about the merits of capitalism, free markets, and our unique form of government so we can attract new voters that want to participate in the American experience and reject the democratic platform, which is things like redistribution of wealth, living wages, handouts. Many of the people that are in poverty and uh, low income do not want handouts. What they want is opportunity. And the other proposal is let's change the name of the party from the grand old party to the grand opportunity party and start speaking to more people and get them the information they need like you do every day. But I think a town hall forum would be really fun and a great way to attract new people. You know, look, I like the idea. I will tell you this, you know, <laughs> I have more opposition to me doing town halls in this environment because uh, I know the people at work love me and uh, they want to protect me at all times, but it's gotten so hostile outside. That's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, we have a very important monologue tonight. Rudy Giuliani, uh, Alan Dershowitz uh, will be checking in with Michelle Malkin tonight, Greg Jarrett, David Schoen, Dan Bongino, and Larry Elder. All right, Hannity at 9. We'll see you then, and thanks for being with us back here tomorrow. See you tonight at 9 o'clock, and uh, a lot of news this week. Thanks for being with us. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. The world is becoming more and more unstable by the day, and many Americans are not waiting around to find out how bad it could get. They're making the decision to diversify their wealth with precious metals like gold and silver. And they're turning to the top-rated precious metals company, GoldCo. Right now, GoldCo is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. Go to HannityGold.com to learn more. That's HannityGold.com. You know, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they support America's greatest heroes, U.S. service members and first responders that die or are catastrophically injured in the line of duty, and they help our homeless vets as well. Now, these are the heroes that we all owe a debt of gratitude to. Now, the Foundation's Gold Star, their fallen first responders, smart home, homeless veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us by the men and women that risk their lives and their bodies for our country and our communities. Now, the Foundation's Never Forget programs, they engage people in 9-11 remembrances all across the country, with over 80 runs and walks and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues. They have their Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute to educate our kids K-12 through about America's darkest day, all while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. Anyway, we hope you'll join all of us here at Team Hannity and commit to 11 bucks a month 
so they can continue this great work, go to their website, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org.